welcome back to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. I'm your host, Paula Adams. Today is June 18th, 2023. Happy Father's Day to those of you who are fathers. Today we're going to talk about the influence of Hinduism in American culture. And I bet you probably never even thought of that. Maybe you did but I didn't until this weekend when I just happened to look on Facebook and discovered that there is a Hare Krishna temple being built just outside my neighborhood. Well, it's probably about 10 miles from here. I haven't seen it myself, but I discovered it on Facebook and I was uh, greatly disturbed by this information, but really what really disturbed me is the fact that no one else is disturbed. <laughs> and this, this disturbs me because it shows me that people are very, um, they're very out of tune with God. Because if, you, if you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, you would know that Hare Krishnas and Hinduism, they are not just a spirituality or peaceful yoga and veganism and things like that. It's a false religion. And people who follow false religions are going to be judged at the last day for not knowing Jesus. So we don't want anyone to fall into condemnation. And the Bible says that we are all sinners and that we all need to be, we all need to believe in Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that means <clears throat> that <clears throat> Hare Krishna's who do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, they are going to be judged based on, you know, they're going to be judged. And we know in Christianity that no one is good enough. That's why we need Jesus to cover our sins with His righteousness. That is the gospel. None of us is good enough based on our own good works to be in the presence of God. God is too holy and we are not. But when we believe in Jesus and we are born again, then we are covered in his righteousness and we are accepted as a child of God. But this is totally unlike what Hindus believe. But before we go into the details there, I want to talk a little bit about Christianity. Christianity has had a history of trials and triumphs. From the growth of the early church through the Roman Empire and beyond, believers have been persecuted, falsely accused, and hated at times, and also enjoyed being the official state religion at other times. The church has lost much of its power since the Protestant Reformation, which was brought on 
by the corruption of the, of the existing Catholic version of the church, the Pope system. After that, the separation of church and state and the beginning of the age of science caused many to think that belief in God was no longer important. It was optional. However, Christianity still persists and with each new generation, there are new followers of Jesus. Though Darwin, Freud, and Marx had a very strong influence on Western culture, religions, revivals, and awakenings continued during the 19th and 20th centuries. It was during this time that New Age spirituality began to become popular in America. And this was because of a new religion brought in by a woman named Helen Blavatsky. She was a New Ager. She wrote a book called uh, Sacred Doctrine, and she, her goal was to blend Eastern religion with Western religion. So she was, she believed that religion had been corrupted and was in a deteriorated state, and she wanted to create a new religion. And guess what? She was also a feminist, and her religion, which was called Theosophy, which was more of a spirituality, but it was a religion, it was mostly um, ran by women. But of course, there were men involved as well, because there were always men involved in the feminist movement. Um, and during this time, the same time of history, which was, this was the late 1800s, um, Walden and Thoreau and other leaders were starting to renounce religion, but accept spirituality as the latest thing. So it was sort of an age and a time when religion and pluralism were growing. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about this theosophy movement. It was founded in 1875 by Helen Blavatsky, who was an Armenian, basically a Russian and a man named Henry Olcott. And it was kind of interesting because Blavatsky, she got married to an Armenian guy, but after just a few months, she ran away from him and spent time traveling around. And she spent a lot of time in Egypt and Tibet. And while she was there, she met some men who you know, basically like a secret society called the Great Brotherhood. And they told Blavatsky to go to America to meet Olcott, that they, that they were intended to meet. So she came to America, and at the same time, okay, to New York. New York was like a hotbed of new type of religions and 
revivals and just all kinds of stuff up there in that part of the country. Like so many movements that you read about that that are like cults and stuff actually started in New York. New York. Um, so there was this farm called the Eddy Farm, and it was in Vermont, which is not far from New York. And supposedly supernatural phenomenon were happening there in 1874. So Blavatsky and Alcott were both at this farm together for a while. Um, so they became fast friends, buddies or chums. I'm sure there was, you know, friends with benefits, but we don't know for sure. Um, but Blavatsky wanted to replace, or what she effectively did, was she replaced Egypt as the center of the, or the birthplace of esoteric wisdom with India. And interesting thing about India and Hindus, there is a deep history there that a lot of people don't know. And basically, have you heard of Aryans, like the Nazis? Well, that term actually originated in India. And so it was a caste system. It was a racist system of superiority, hierarchy. And the Aryans were thought to be, you know, superior to the other people. And so... When these people came to India, they called them, they called them Hindus. Uh, the, the Hindu religion really wasn't even a religion. It was a, it was an ancient belief system. It was paganism. It was very similar to the paganism of the Old Testament and their main god is called Brahma, which if you know what a Brahma or a Brahma is, it's a bull. So if you're if you read your Christian Bible, you know that Baal and um, some of the other pagan gods were often represented as bulls. So the more you study it, you find out that they believed in some of them claim to believe in one God. Some of them claim to believe in thousands of gods. But all of it's a pagan, purely pagan religion. They believe that animals are sacred. They believe that cows are sacred, rats, snakes. But because they also are a, um, you know, peaceful, supposedly, religion, um... And they believe in meditation and yoga and nonviolence. Some people embraced the this type of spirituality and thought that it was better than Christianity or Islam or other religions. And the same thing happened in America is, you know, in the 60s, people were anti-war. And they were anti-establishment. They were feminist. It was a revolutionary time. So this was when Blavatsky's New Age 
that she had planted the seeds for this theosophy really came into its own was in the 60s with the New Age movement. So all of that really started with her. But it really stems from Hinduism. So it's all connected. So in the 60s, the movement was all about gurus who promised inner peace. They promised good health from veganism and natural natural medicine. Um, it was very popular with women, feminists, and men who wanted to support and, you know, get together with these feminists. It was um, very popular with uh, hippies, of course. It was this New Age spirituality um, was marketed to young people and women deceitfully, not with the word Hinduism, but with other terms like spirituality because they, they were spreading their beliefs, but they didn't want Americans to know that they were Hindu beliefs. So a lot of this was called new consciousness and um, empowerment and getting in touch with the divine that was located inside of you. And, um, and this was during the, this was the time when yoga actually became really popular. And, and it was, it wasn't just a, you know, it wasn't just about new age. This was a culture wide movement of rejecting all the things of the past and wanting wanting the age of Aquarius. They wanted an awakening in the world and there was going to be peace and harmony and love, which who doesn't want that, right? We all want those things. But the problem was they were looking inside themselves. They were thinking that they had the power to bring this new age of harmony and peace to 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 bring it to birth it but the problem is they couldn't do it and they can't do it and you know this started like in the late 1800s and we still do not have peace and harmony and the more people turn away from the living god the the one true god of the bible the more of this false religion that we have these Hare Krishnas who have moved into the Sealy area with a temple and they're going to deceive people with their yoga and their friendliness like all cults do. The more we have of this kind of stuff, the, the more we open the door to satanic, demonic spirits that deceive people, which is already happening. The woke movement is a movement of lies and deception. And when I'm and I don't mean woke in the old style which was black people being, you know, treated fairly or re, you know, becoming empowered. I'm talking about these people who don't believe in reality. They think that there's more than two sexes. 
They, the, and it's, this is all a great deception of Satan. And when you study and you look at the timeline, you realize how long this has been going on. Really, it's been happening since Darwin. And, and, but Darwin was only one. I mean, there was a whole bunch of people. So really, it started when people began to turn away from God and embrace false, the false religion of science. So Darwin published his book in 1859. But, you know, a hundred years later, um, you know, in the, in the 1950s, people, people were already, you know, turning away from the church and Christian and true Christianity. And we're starting to get liberal Christianity that rejects the God of the Bible, rejects it as God's actual words and starting to lump it together at, with other religions such as Hinduism and blend them together. And religious pluralism will be the religion of the end times. So you can see where we're headed with this religious pluralism because there's only one God. All of these cults like Hare Krishna and other, any name one, you know, there's lots of cults. They, none of them point to salvation. And that's the difference between this Hare Krishna thing. They do not believe that there even is such a thing as sin. Um, they, they, I tried reading some of their stuff and it's almost like it tries to tie your brain up in knots. I mean, I can see how, okay, so one of the things they do is called curtain or curtain. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's chanting. So you probably, if you're older like me, you might remember Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. I don't even like to say that, but uh, this chanting, they would do this chanting. I mean, it's basically a, a type of hypnosis. And you, it's like a type of meditation by, by chanting. And they also do not believe in heaven. They don't believe in sin, salvation, or heaven. Instead, they believe in reincarnation. So, and they, they believe in the caste system. They believe if you are a bad person, when you're born, you know, after you die, you're going to be born again into some lower creature or animal. And they literally believe that cows are holy. When I mentioned on Facebook that this temple had opened, I was disappointed to see that some people thought it was no big deal. Like these people, and, and that tells me that these people have been influenced by the New Age movement. And they have been, because I know these people. And I love them, and they're good people. But they have been influenced by this deception. And that's the problem, is that these cults, they're nothing but a deception by Satan. And, you know, people, people should 
should realize that we are living in the age of lies. This kind of thing is getting worse and worse. I mean, yes, it has always been there because Satan is the father of lies. He deceived Eve into sinning and, you know, the whole world is in its fallen state because of the, decept the deception that we are under. So what do you do? How do you protect yourself from deception and new age lies? There's only one way, and that is you need to be born again so that you can have, you, that. which is you do that by putting your faith in Jesus. You have to believe that Jesus came to earth to and he came from heaven and he was crucified and he was resurrected he came back to life and now he's in heaven with God because he he is the son of God there's don't be deceived in thinking that that hinduism and hari krishnas are harmless they may be harmless to you if you're a Christian, but they are a danger to unsaved people because they can deceive them with their false religion, which the Bible, Jesus warned us in the last days, there were going to be many false prophets and they were going to come and they were going to tickle the ears of people. And that's what these people do. I mean, I've read some of the things that people say who follow these, these Hare Krishnas, which is also called a Krishna consciousness or something. Uh, these people are so, they're like very emotional. And they it's all based on their feelings and the chanting and feasting and dancing. It's like they are not in reality. They don't understand that they're going to they're gonna be judged for their sin. They think, oh, well, I'm doing all these things. That makes me good. It's a works-based religion. And when you really study it, that's the thing about cults is that people, people don't study them deeply, so they don't really even know what they're signing up for. So another thing that a lot of people don't realize is that there are a lot of these Hare Krishnas in America. Because thanks to Blavatsky and the New Age movement, this stuff has been spreading like a virus in America and, and, the, you know, and Europe for years now. And... You know, people think that it's just kind of a small movement, but it's actually pretty big. And I kind of was thinking today that, you know, we, I mean, obviously Islam is not Christian, but it's like a known enemy, right? It's like, we know that we're not on the same team, but these Hindus they seem like they're kind of sneaking in like, oh, hey, we're friends, when no, they're not your friend. And in fact, that's what happened um, in 18, uh, let's see here, Eight, 18, I lost my notes, but 
there was a thing called a parliament parliament of religions it's like 1874 or something in America and that was it was like the one of the original um uh, ecumenical like the one of the first ecumenical meetings and you know that kind of opened the door to this the spread of this deception in America they 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 let a swami speak and they thought he was great they liked it so just remember this that when you turn your back on god or when you start to say in your heart that the bible is not really true you open yourself to deception you open yourself up to lies from the devil so be careful know what you believe and stay close to god in prayer and by reading the word and by spending time with other christians not by visiting hari krishna temples like someone suggested that i do if i was to go to a hari krishna temple it would only be to tell them about jesus <laughs> it would not i would not participate in their ceremonies no the the first commandment is that, that you shall have no other gods before me and these hindus have gods they are gods so don't be fooled when they say that it's just peace love and yoga no it is a religion so i know this was kind of all over the place i've been reading and reading so much stuff tried to put it together but if you want to know more check out the links that I'm going to put in the details and uh do your own homework and tell other people tell your friends that hinduism is a cult and you know all we can do is warn them if they won't listen that that's on them but the bible says if you know someone's in danger and you don't warn them then you will be held accountable on a happier note vacation bible school was awesome so i thought i'd give a little bit of information about hinduism Hinduism is one of the oldest known religions with its sacred writings dating as far back as 1400 BC. Of course, that's not as old as the Bible. Hinduism is one of the most diverse and complex religions, having millions of gods. They have a wide variety of core beliefs and exist in many different sects. sex the uh hinduism exists primarily in india and nepal although there are many indians in other countries and they such as america and we have a lot of hindu temples in america 
So as far as their beliefs, they vary quite a bit. Um, and though Hinduism is often thought of as having many gods, it also has one god that is supreme, which is Brahma or Brahma. The, the Brahma is an entity believed to inhabit every portion of reality and existence throughout the entire universe. Sounds like God, right? Brahma is both impersonal and unknowable, which is different from the Christian God, and is often believed to exist in three separate forms. Brahma, as the, who is the creator, Vishnu, the preserver, and Shiva, the destroyer destroyer. This is sort of like a false trinity. Um, and there are various Hindu schools or types that contain elements of Hinduism. There's uh, monistic, meaning that, the, that everything is one. Okay, and there's pantheistic, which means that God is identical to the world. There's panentheistic, and that says that the world is part of God. And then there's theistic, which says that there is only one God separate from creation, which Christianity is theistic. And according to this article, bhakti Hinduism is theistic. But Hinduism can also be atheistic, deistic, or even nihilistic. So you may wonder why they're even Hindu in the first place. About the only real issue is whether or not a belief system uses the Vedas as sacred, and that the Vedas are their sacred writings. And they're more than theology, they are theomythology, that is a religious mythology which deliberately interweaves myth, theology, and history into a story. This is so deeply rooted in India's history and culture that to reject the Vedas is viewed as opposing India itself. Therefore, Hinduism is not just a religion, it is the Indian culture. So, uh, there, this openness to contradictory beliefs can bother Westerners who seek logical consistency and rational thinking in their religious views. But, um, to be fair, Christians are no more logical when they claim to believe in Jesus, yet live their life as atheists. So, Hindu views mankind as divine. Because Brahma is everything, Hinduism asserts that everyone is divine. Uh, the spiritual goal of a Hindu is to become one with Brahma, thus ceasing to exist in the illusory form of self this freedom is referred to as moksha. Until moksha is achieved, a Hindu believes that 
he or she will be repeatedly reincarnated in order that he or she may work towards self-realization of the truth, the truth being that only Brahman exists and nothing else. How a person is reincarnated is determined by karma, which is a principle of cause and effect, governed by nature's balance. And what one did in the past affects and corresponds with what happens in the future, past and future lives included. So basically, it sounds like you don't have much free will. (laughs) Although this is just a brief synopsis, it is readily seen that Hinduism is in opposition to biblical Christianity on almost every count of its belief system. Christianity has one God who is both personal and knowable, has one set of scriptures, teaches that God created the earth and all who live upon it separate from himself, believes that man is created in God's image and lives only once, and teaches that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. Hinduism, as a false religious system, fails to recognize Jesus as the uniquely incarnated God-man and Savior, the one solely sufficient source of salvation. Um, A little bit more about the Vedas. The Vedas are a a set of four Hindu holy texts, and this information is from gotquestions.org. The holy texts were written about 2,500 years ago, and they comprise hymns and mantras and incantations, which they do that stuff a lot. Um, Veda means knowledge in Sanskrit. Hindus believe the knowledge in the Vedas is divine. And some of it is philosophy and spiritual knowledge. There are writings about rituals and sacrifices. Um, okay, the Bhagata, I can't pronounce it, Bhagavad Gita is one of the holy scriptures of Hinduism, probably one of the best known and read, widely read by people who are not even Hindus. It's a 700 verse poem contained in the Mahabharata, one of the two major Sanskrit epics of ancient India. The Bhagavad Gita, whose title means the song by God, was written during the second half of the first millennium. It addresses such Hindu beliefs as righteousness, moral duties, devotion to deities, and the spiritual, physical, and mental practices of yoga that lead to emancipation. Also, um, Hindu prayer and selfless action. So, the chapter titles include such things as the eternal reality of the soul's immortality, the science of self-realization, attainment of salvation. Now remember, 
they don't believe the same kind of salvation that we do. And uh, here's some things that they say. As the embodied soul continually passes in this body from boyhood to youth to old age, the soul similarly passes into another body at death. The self-realized soul is not bewildered by such a change. After many births and deaths, he who is actually in knowledge surrenders unto me, knowing me to be the cause of all causes and all that is. Such a great soul is very rare. Although Hinduism's stronghold is India, Nepal, and Indonesia, its appeal has spread well beyond the confines of Southeast Asia. During the 60s, the Beatles' music introduced young listeners to Hinduism. Later, as vegetarianism and veganism grew in popularity, so did the appeal of Hinduism. In other words, it was a fad. Uh, Famous people such as William Wordsworth and John Keats, famous writers, were influenced by Hinduism. As Christianity's prominence continues to decline in the West, the spiritual void is often filled by whatever is trendy and fashionable. Hinduism makes few demands of its followers. For that matter, there are atheists who practice Hindu uh, practices. Hinduism is riddled with contradiction. There is not a strict set of doctrines. Some people are drawn to it for no reason other than it's something different. And right now, it is very much in vogue. So, should a Christian go to a Hindu temple? The difficulty arises that religion is an integral part of culture. In most cases, it is impossible to extract the religious element from a cultural event. For example, the bonfires and colored powder of India's holy celebrations seem innocent, but they are inextricably tied to Hindu mythology. The bonfires represent the burning of the female demon Holika, and the throwing of colored powder honors the god Krishna, depicted in Hindu art as having blue skin, and his lover Radha. Christians in India avoid participating in the holy festival because it is acknowledged to be a pagan and idolatrous idolatrous celebration. So this was an article that I found in Hinduism Today. And it's talking about the New Age movement in the West. It says, the New Age is a movement that became popular in the West in the 60s and 70s. At that time, it carried a clear Eastern pedigree, drawing from Hinduism and Western occult teachings. But over the course of the 80s and 90s, virtually all signs of Hinduism faded away. New Age authors writing for a Christian and Jewish readership retained popular Sanskrit words in their books, such as chakra, but with a non-specific spiritual connection. 
Cut from its eastern roots, the still popular New Age morphed from a quasi-religious movement to a loose spiritual philosophy with strong marketing aimed at women, promoting health, beauty, inner peace, and successful relationships. The New Age was coined in the U.S., the term, and people connected it to the hippie culture. Um, But in India, New Age goes beyond the physical body and the mainstream. Our books that we sell on yoga, meditation, and inner peace do very well, she says. One of the most popular titles at her store is You Can Heal Your Life. Another top seller is Mind the Gap, which is about bringing spirituality into daily life without renouncing the world and material possessions. The shelves are full of such guides on how spirituality can improve your personal life. So this article goes on to talk about some of their New Age magazines where the uh, religious content in the Indian articles is is, uh, not disguised, but in the American magazines, it's definitely uh, hidden. It's, it's portrayed as new age, positivity, um, life affirming, you know, it talks, they talk about everything from home decor, to fashion, from food to work, all with a new age flavor. So this this is a um, part of an article on preachtheword.com, a sermon about Hinduism. So I'm just going to read it. Uh, I didn't write this. It says, um, here's one example of how Hinduism and Hinduistic philosophy, philosophy and belief has made inroads into our own thought processes. Forty years ago, a guru probably would have been thought to be some kind of exotic jungle animal. But today, guru is a household word. And most people know that a guru is a spiritual teacher. And many people know that the word guru comes from Hinduism. Now, another individual, you might not recognize, recognize him, but you may have heard of him, is the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. This man was more prominent in the 60s than anyone else as a guru popularizing Hinduism through transcendental meditation. He is the father and founder of this practice, transcendental meditation, better known as TM. During the 60s, his affiliation with celebrities helped to popularize TM. For example, the Beatles, the Beach Boys, the Rolling Stones, Mia Farrow and other top celebrities uh, helped get TM a worldwide press coverage that it perhaps would never have had if they had not embraced it. In fact, one writer says that TM did for Eastern mysticism what McDonald's did for the hamburger. That's a very good 
illustration. It popularized Eastern mystical belief. TM made Hinduism more accessible to average people in the West. Americans braced it, embraced it even more when instructors of TM made the claim that one could practice TM without violating one's own personal faith or belief. They were told you can do it to help your, your body, mind, spirit, and still not uh, transgress your own beliefs. Now, many people argue this way with, with the author about alternative medicine and yoga, and they say, I'm just using it for my body and maybe for my mind, but it doesn't affect my Christian principles and beliefs. There is a great warning here. I don't have time to go on into all the details, but the warning is that any meditation that is outside biblical Christian meditation is that ultimately the chief goal of meditation is to bring you into contact with the spirit world. If you're involved with any of those things, even yoga, which is a spiritual practice, you are opening yourself up potentially to spirits, contacting them, and even becoming a habitation for them. The Maharishi became so popular in America um, that an, a university was founded by him in 1971, and it continues to flourish. American boys and girls go there and study these theories of TM. To date, there are around 100,000 Americans who go year after year to India in search of spiritual enlightenment. Enlightenment. You might say, why is it all so appealing? It is because it is the spirit of the age, the spirit of new age. Uh, scrolling down. Okay, I wanted to read this part about the animals. It says, um, the cow is sacred in the Hindu religion. Also the monkey and the snake and even rats. In fact, there are some villages in India that the, where the temples feed the rats at a cost of 2,500 pounds per annum. And some say that 15% of India's grain goes to feeding the rats in the temples. The cobra is also worshipped and annually kills 20,000 Indians because they seek to worship him. Then there is the sacred cow. There are 159 million cows in India. 20% of the world's cows. The cow is believed to be the mother goddess of life, so much so that Indians will actually drink the urine of the cow to purify the soul. And rivers in India are also holy, particularly the Ganges River. And they believe that by bathing in the Ganges that they wash away bad karma and improve good karma washing away sins in the filthy river. In fact, one of these great festivals had 75 million pilgrims uh, come to the river. So you can find that on preachtheword.com and they have other articles about 
cults. And the, uh, the person who wrote that is David Leggy. Copyright 2005. So thank you, Mr. Leggy, for that very informative article.